If you have your Bibles today and you want to open them up to the book of Proverbs, we're going to be in chapter 22, verse 6, and this one verse today. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. You know, being a parent today is one of the toughest, most draining, painful, joyful, happy, and wonderful jobs in the world. Amen? And I don't care if you have young children or old children or where your children on the spectrum, they, uh, they can be all of those things to you at the same time, can't they? It's wonderful being a parent. It's wonderful being a a, a mama, being a mother, being a father. It's a wonderful experience. It's an exciting experience. Uh, It's indescribable on a number of levels, isn't it? Uh, Just what it is. Uh, That baby comes into your life, and in that moment, you are forever changed. Uh, It is is a life-changing, life-altering moment, and you have no idea how much so uh, in that very moment. But it is. Uh, you know something of what that change is and what that change means, but uh, as the years, as the days, the weeks, the months, the years go by, you you appreciate more and more just what that moment did, how that changed your life. There are today over 73 million children in the United States of America under the age of 18. And of those, about 21 million of them are under the age of 5. There are a lot of worn-out, happy adults this morning, aren't there? Undoubtedly, the most stressful time in life is when you have those young children. I came across something this week, and those of you that do not have children yet, don't be discouraged by this, all right? Because it is, as I said, exciting, and it's wonderful as well. But we have to look at the whole big picture of what it is. It's a great, exciting opportunity and responsibility, and it is something that at times takes its toll on us. And it causes us a new and a a new kind of dependence upon God. The most stressful time for a couple is parenthood. Carolyn and Philip Cowan, psychologists from the University of California, Berkeley, found that 92% of new parents report more conflict and lower satisfaction within their marriages after having their children. Penn State psychologist Jay Belsky, who had just recently completed a seven-year study of 250 sets of new parents, finds that only 19% say their marriage is improved after the birth of a child. Couples usually look forward to the birth of a baby as a time of closeness, but Belsky found that nearly all new parents grew more polarized and self-centered in response to the fatigue and strain of welcoming a new child into the home. Parenting young children is an all-consuming kind of life. It involves huge amounts of sacrifice, both in terms of energy, time, money, and attention. There may be no tougher job in the world than being a mama, being a daddy. And in this culture that we live in today, it may be more difficult than it has ever been. Ellen Goodman wrote an article. I want to share just a few words. I don't like to read to you a lot, but I want to read just a little bit of our article to you. She said, sooner or later, most Americans become card-carrying members of the counterculture. This is not an underground holdout of hippies. No beads are required. All you need to do, all you need to join is a child. At some point between Lamaze and PTA, it becomes clear that one of your main jobs as a parent is to counter the culture. What the media delivered to children by the masses, you are expected to rebut one at a time. Parents are expected to protect their children from an increasingly hostile environment. 
Are the kids being sold junk food? Is the television they're watching bad? Are there messages about sex, drugs, and violence all around? Mothers and fathers are expected to screen virtually every aspect of their children's lives, all the while keeping in touch with school and their free time, and in their free time earning a living. I listen to families oftentimes talk to parents oftentimes who are overwhelmed. Kim and I, we have two children under five. It takes a lot of energy. But it's not just about having those little bitty children, is it? You may be today a parent of a child that's 6, 8, 10 years old, 15, 18, 25 years old. <laughs> Parenting never ends, does it? Never ceases, never stops. And it can be, as I said, a wonderful experience, but it can also be an exhausting experience. And I just want to share with you a word this morning to those who are tired and those who are worn out and those who are struggling with worry, those who seemed overwhelmed by the process of raising their kids, or maybe you've raised their, your kids into adulthood and you're overwhelmed with where they are today and how you might help them and the struggles that they have in their own life. God has some encouraging news for you this morning, and it is found in this verse that we read just moments ago. You train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. What you do matters. All the hard work is worth it. The results of what you do today are lasting, perhaps even in eternity. What you do today matters. I want you to think about that for a minute. Those that are yet to be parents, those who are parents, wherever you are on that spectrum, what you do, what you are doing right now matters. Grandparents today, you who are pouring into your children and helping them raise their children, you who are grandparents who are pouring into the lives of your children and encouraging your kids as they go through this struggle, this overwhelming process of raising kids in this culture, there's hope. There's good news. What you do matters. Scripture teaches us here in this passage that we are to train up a child in the way that he should go. Some folks have the idea that they're going to let their kids just make their own decisions. Uh, that they just want their kids to decide for themselves of what is right and what is wrong. They want their kids to grow up and decide for themselves, unhindered by their parents' prejudice or choices, to decide for themselves what religion is good for them. What morality is good for them. But scripture teaches us that parents have the responsibility to train their kids. Not just the opportunity, but the responsibility to train up their children. The word train here means to make the way narrow, to initiate, to instruct. That's what it means. We are to show our children the way. We are to show them right from wrong. We are to make the way clear to them. We are to mold and shape them by discipline and practice and put them on a path, the way. We are to train them up in the way that they should go. This word, the way, means a, a, a road, a path, a direction. Ultimately, we are, we are putting them on a road in which they might find God through Jesus Christ. We're putting them on a path which will impact and direct their life for the whole of their life. That's what Scripture says the opportunity and the responsibility is for all of us as parents. And this requires a wholehearted kind of commitment. Now, this is where you lose a lot of people. You see, 
This verse has been misused and abused a lot. Because here's how it's oftentimes taken. People say, well, I raised little Johnny, little Susie in church. And because I took them to church, they, they were raised to know right from wrong. And so someday, even though they live like the devil, they're going to be saved. Because I've raised them up in the way they should go, and they're going to come back to Jesus because that's what this verse says. That's not what this verse says. It's not what it says. So if you think that, you need to pay careful attention for the rest of the sermon. This verse says something altogether different, but something altogether extremely important. See, we have the responsibility and the opportunity to train our children up in a way and put them on a path which might lead them to Jesus. But it takes a wholehearted commitment to do that. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 through 21, Moses is writing here. He's encouraging the children of Israel to teach their children, to teach their kids the ways of the Lord. And he says, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them around your hands or to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Our relationship with God should be at the center of our lives. Our kids need to see at every turn that our relationship with God through Jesus Christ shapes our attitudes, our words, our priorities, and our commitments. That's what this scripture is teaching us. There's much more to to instructing your kids. There's much more to raising your kids in the way they should go than leading them to church on Sunday morning, than taking them to church on Sunday morning. We can help you. Uh, We will come alongside you. We will encourage you. We will bless you. Uh, we, We will be there for you, but we cannot be the substitute for what you and you alone are called to do as a parent. And this is what we need to encourage our children, grandma, grandpa. When you are helping your kids know how to raise their kids, you need to encourage them and help them to understand it's not just about taking your kids to church. It's about a day by day, moment by moment, instructing in the ways of the Lord, in the way that they should go. Now, let me just say here as a point that you cannot lead a child to do something or to be something that you yourself are not. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin and Lord of your life, you cannot rightly lead your children to do so. If they find Christ through you, it will be by accident, not because you are passing on to them something you yourself have. There are things I do not know how to do in life. I cannot change an engine in a car, okay? I can't take an engine out and put a new one in. Some of you may be able to do that. I'll never teach my son how to do that because I'll never know how to do that. I can safely say that because I have no intention of learning how to do that, right? And if you are not a believer in Christ and you are not walking with Christ, it's going to be very difficult for you to raise up kids who know him. So if you don't know Christ, you need to know him. And if you know him, you need to understand this morning that There is nothing so important that you will ever do than raising up your kids in the way they should go, putting them on a path that might lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important, and there can be no distraction from it. Now, having said that this morning, I want to just pause for a moment and say, this verse says, if you look here, it says, direct your children onto the right path. The older versions will say, Raise up your kids in the way they should go. And when they are older, and you know what? Your children are getting older every day. Your time to do this is short. 
Your kids are going to grow up and it's going to happen before you know it. You're going to be eight months old one moment and 18 years old the next. And it's going to go by just like that. And your time for impact and your opportunity to guide them in the way they should go is now today. You see, our kids right now are listening to us, watching us. And they are going to take something from us. That is, when they leave our home, they're going to take something with them. It's the things, it's what we give them, the important things that we give them today. It's not going to be, uh, I'm not talking about in terms of clothes and money and things, but what they're going to take with them is our faith, the ethics that we teach them, the beliefs that we put into them, that we teach them. Those are the things they're going to take. They're growing, and as they grow up, they are looking, they are watching. And unfortunately, the culture tells us the most important thing that we can give our kids today is a good time. Do you know that? I mean, we have to give our kids everything. They have to experience everything. They can never experience defeat. They can never experience failure. They must always experience victory. That's why kids nowadays all get a participation trophy, and they don't keep score until they're about 15 years old. The thing about it is, is we just want kids to be happy all the time. Experience victory all the time. Because it's the most important thing you can give a child is happiness and a good time. You know, I, I saw an example of this, and I'm just going to read a little bit of this to you, and if it hits you hard, and it hits you hard, and I'm sorry, and it just needs to hit you. But the Reverend Stephen Fitcher, he uh, he was talking, and he was he's just sharing with the dominant role that sports have played today in our culture. And he says, he says, Reverend, Reverend Fitcher, he understood just how dominant a role sports has assumed in the culture when a family in his church told him they'd be out of town Good Friday to Easter Sunday to attend their child's volleyball tournament. It's, truly, it, it's true that sports has become like religion. Some scholars even trace the evolution of sports from a pastime to a form of civil religion. It's almost become a folk religion, and it's having an impact on religious groups which report increasing difficulty convincing families that are willing to spend a half day traveling to a nine-year-old softball or soccer game to make time for worship on Sunday morning. In a study of 16 declining congregations in the U.S. and Canada, the reason most cited by clergy and members for falling attendance was the secularization of Sunday, with many identifying children's sports as most responsible. Researcher Stephen McCullen of Acadia Divinity College in Nova Scotia reported in his findings that parents will make sure Johnny goes to sports. But when it comes to church, I've just seen it over and over again, and even in our own congregation, the families that have children in sports will sacrifice church for the sake of their son or daughter's sports program. So sports is another huge reason why our church is declining. Let me tell you something. Kids watch everything you do. They watch everything you do. And if you decide that soccer tournaments and volleyball tournaments and cheerleading tournaments are going to be more important than your attendance and worship, they understand where your priorities are. They understand that it is more important to play soccer on Sunday than to worship God. And you can turn around and tell them that you can be a great Christian and not go to church, but let me tell you what they hear. You can be a Christian, live your life how you want to, occasionally make time for God, and Everything is okay. What we have today in church attendance, and what we define today as faithful church attendance is someone who attends about two Sundays a month. And the reason that that is, is because the generations before us decided to teach us a wrong set of priorities. And it was passed down to our kids. 
Our kids are growing up and we're giving them something. We are putting them on a path which will forever affect their life. And if you are putting your kids on a path that teaches them that the priority is not God, is not Jesus Christ, is not the worship of Him and the corporate worship of Him, don't be surprised if they grow up and don't attend church at all. Because you have set them on a path that they are going to follow and forever struggle with. See, your children will grow up. They're growing up. And they will grow up believing your relationship with, with Jesus is real and it is the center of your life and it is what shapes you. Or they'll leave your home believing your faith is of low priority and of no real impact at all. And your actions will show them louder than anything you say. You can stand back and say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And then turn around and take them to soccer tournaments two Sundays out of the month. Jesus is not your Lord in their mind. Plain and simple. They're growing up. The time is short. The world says give them a good time. The world says make sure that your children have the very best of everything. That they have a fun time. They participate in everything under the sun that they can. And... We are selling our kids short in the process. This passage of Scripture says, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they grow older, they will not leave it. This is a wonderful promise, but it is frightening as well. Because, see, what, what's being said here is that if you do the business of training up your child in the ways of the Lord when they grow up, they'll not depart from it. This means that the direction and the path that you set for them will forever impact them and give direction to their life. This is not a promise that they will be saved. You understand that? This is not a promise that your children are going to be saved. Some people look at this and say, well, this is a, a promise that my children are going to be saved. It's not that. That's not what's being said. You're setting a course, not making decisions for your kids. Our kids have free will. Our children have free will. They will decide. They'll choose to accept or reject Christ on their own. Only they themselves can make that decision. But we can set a course that will influence all that they do in their life. You will either make it easy for them to accept Christ or difficult for them to accept Christ in large part by what you teach them from the time they are born until they're 18 years of age. Are you teaching them that God is real? Are you teaching them that God expects holiness? Are you teaching them faith in Jesus Christ and salvation by grace through faith alone? Are you teaching them that it is God who works in us to act and will according to His good pleasure? Are you teaching the reality of God and the power of His Holy Spirit in your life. Can they see that Jesus makes a difference? Because if they can see Jesus is real in your life, odds are they're going to see Jesus to be real for their own life and accept Him as their Savior and Lord. But you see, whatever course that you put this child on will forever, ever, ever influence them and direct their path. Now, let me give you an example of how this is. I, I talk and walk a lot like my dad. I, I have a lot of his same mannerisms. In fact, there are a lot of things about my dad that, that you could say I'm, I'm exactly like him. I, I've taken for myself many of his beliefs and ideas. He's a, he's a believer in Christ. He's a Christian, and I became a Christian. Uh, he's conservative, kind of a conservative person. I'm, I'm a conservative person. I have many of... 
of, uh, of my own preferences and ideas. I'm not exactly like my dad. I'm not a carbon copy of him. We're not the same person. But many of, uh, of uh, things about me are a direct result of the influence of my dad and my mom. At the core of who I am, my ethics, my faith, my priorities, my mother and father set a course of life that has greatly influenced who I have become. The course they set me on was one from which I do life. I do life from the course that they set me on, that they put me on as a child. How terrifying is that? To consider that that what I am doing and the course that I am directing my child on is one that will forever, ever, ever impact them. Now let me tell you something to the parents who have kids who are older, okay? And you say, you know, we, we mentioned a moment ago the job of parenting is never done. You still have an opportunity to influence them. The greatest opportunity for influence, I, I, I do believe, is those first 18 years when they are in your home. But you still have the privilege and responsibility and opportunity to be influenced because you are an influencer in their life. You have a place of particular influence and impact in their life. So they're going to look to you and look at you and be influenced by you. But we have this great privilege and this great responsibility and it's an awe-inspiring kind of thing that we set this child on a path, mothers and fathers, on the way they should go. What does that mean? I mean, what, when we get down to it, we understand that. We understand the great responsibility of that. We understand the great opportunity of that. How, how, what do I do now? How do I apply that to my life? Well, I want to share with you just a couple of things real quickly. The first thing is, is to pray. And I mean pray hard for your kids and pray for yourself. You need to pray for yourself more than probably you need to pray for your kids. I mean, Scripture is very clear that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And we need a lot of gifts, don't we? And Scripture is very clear in Philippians 2.13, which I quote often, is that it's God who works within us to to will and to act according to his good pleasure. And so we need to pray and ask God, change my will, Lord. Work on me. Work on my will. Change my actions. Help me to be a good influence. Help me to be a good example. Help me to make wise decisions. Help me to teach this child your way and to raise them to go in the way they should go, to, to, to walk in the way they should go. Help me to raise them in such a way that they might find faith in you and, and faithfully follow you and love you with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. You need to pray often. If you're not praying for yourself and if you're not praying for your children, you are letting your children and yourself down. It's bad enough to let yourself down. It's bad enough to ruin your own life. But to let your children down, it's inexcusable. This is a great trust that has been placed in your hands, this little child. And you should be praying for them. Often and always, and praying for yourself that you might lead them well. You understand the responsibility of this verse. And you want to do that. So pray. We have to pray. Second thing is, give your time. Spend time with your kids. The average father and mother spends too little of this precious commodity with their children. Spend time with them. Our kids kids need to do life with us. They need to see how we do life. They need to see the moments. When the rubber meets the road, when faith is put into practice. I remember a time we went to a convenience store and bought a big red, I think it was that day. How many remember big red? There's still around some. Big red was the big thing. 
back when I was a kid. I loved Big Red. I always wanted Big Red. They asked me, what do you want to drink? I want Big Red. Yeah, I had to have it. I don't even know what that taste is. It's a very unique kind of taste, Big Red. But I always wanted Big Red. I remember we went to the convenience store one day and got my Big Red. And my dad was given his change back and was given too much change. And he looked down, saw that he was given too much change, immediately stopped the clerk, said, hey, you gave me too much change. Here, I need to give you some of this back. Gave it back. I never forgot it. Never forgot it. Now, if he had taken that money and pocketed it, I would have never forgot that too. But I always remember what my dad did in that moment. See, his ethics, his beliefs, his convictions were more than just words. And I was there to see life. See, my dad spent time with me. He worked a lot. He was gone a lot because of work. But he wanted to spend time with me and he invested in me. See, we need to pray much. Pray knowing it all depends on God. And then we've got to work as if it all depends on us. And a great part of the work of parenting takes place in the simple spending of time with our kids. We've got to spend time with them and do life with them. Uh, Charles Swindoll, a lot of you guys know who he is, pastor, writer. Uh, he once found himself with too many commitments, too, too little time to take care of them, and he got nervous and tense about it. He was snapping at his wife and his children. He said, I was choking down my food at mealtimes, feeling irritated at those unexpected interruptions through the day. And he recalls in one of his books, he says, Before long... Things around our home started reflecting the pattern of my hurry-up lifestyle. It was becoming unbearable. I distinctly remember after supper one evening the words of our younger daughter, Colleen. She wanted to tell me something important that had happened to her in the school day, and she began hurriedly, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. Suddenly realizing her frustration, I answered, I said, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. And he said, I'll never forget her answer. She said, then listen slowly. You see, our kids just need us to slow down and do life with them and see who we really are. See who we really are when the rubber meets the road and faith is put into practice. Third thing we need to do is worship. And I'm not just talking about corporate worship. It is extremely important for us to bring our kids to worship. As I said a moment ago, when, when children see that worship, and listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about church attendance when I speak about this and versus softball tournaments or volleyball tournaments or whatever else you're doing. Listen, worship should be extremely important to us and of great value to us. And if it's not, you've got a problem because the primary thing that we're going to do in eternity is worship. If you don't like to do it now, then you're going to have a real problem there in eternity, okay? Maybe that's not where you really want to go in your heart of hearts. Because, you see, we're going to do a lot of worship. And, and worship should be something we have a desire to do to offer to God value, worth, ascribe to Him worth. And you may not be a singer and you may just sit there and enjoy the music, but you're here pouring your heart out, singing in your heart, pouring your heart out in prayer and in the study of His Word and being with other believers, encouraging them and spurring them on to good works. We need to bring our children to worship, yes, corporate worship, but it needs to be a moment-by-moment -moment experience that we do in life. Your children need to see you pray. Your children need to see you opening up the Word of God. They need to see that you do it, and then you need to do that with them. You need to pray with your kids. And you need to read the Word with your kids. 
And you need to do it from a very early age. Listen, I get up in the mornings and I go into my, the office there at our house and I read the Word and, and I pray. And then I like clockwork about 6.30 in the morning, Zachary comes through the door. He's there. He wakes up and he goes in there. And, and he's ready to get up and start his day. And so he comes in. And then we pray together. And I, I'm teaching him how to pray in the morning, praying over his day, praying over things. And listen, we pray at night and we pray for family and all that, and that's good. But we also pray in the morning. He sees me pray. He sees me reading the Word. He comes in. I pray with him. And oftentimes we'll, we'll look at a Bible story that they have, these little video Bible stories, and we'll go through that too sometimes. But, but we need to do that with our kids. They need to see us worship God every day, not just on Sunday. They need to see that He is the priority in our life. And our life belongs to Him. And we need to, to talk to our kids. The fourth thing, talk intentionally. Teach them. Read the Word with them, yes, and discuss it with them. Talk with them about it. Talk about matters of faith. Talk about deep questions of life. Talk to your kids. I mean, we, we, we need to do it. They need to know that they can do it. I'm going to use Zachary one more time. Okay? We were talking the other day, he asked a question about what happens to you when you die. I have no idea where that question came from. Isn't that fun when you're a parent? They come up with stuff and you're like, who you been talking to, boy? What's been going on here, right? I mean, what, what's happening? I can use him now as sermon illustration. When he's 15, he's not going to let me, so he's five, you know, almost five. I can still do this. But he came up to me and said, hey, what happens? I said, well... If you love Jesus and, and you believe he died on the cross for your sins and you've given your life to him, I said, he's going to take you to heaven when you die. The wheels started turning. He said, what's that like? He said, is, is that like when mom, mommy comes pick you up at school? I said, that's what it's like, boy, right there. That's what it's like. It's just like when mommy comes pick you up at school, Jesus is going to come pick you up and take you to heaven. Talk with them. Let them see your faith is real. You don't have to know all of the answers. You don't have to always give good answers. But at least you can give them an answer and you can go find better answers maybe later. But talk to them. Share with them. People say you should never talk about politics and religion. Well, let me tell you something. There may be two, those may be two things that people don't want to talk about in public. But for one thing is certain, whether you talk about politics with your kids or not, I don't care. You should, you must Always talk about your faith with your kids. It's part of training them up in the way that they should go. Just a couple more things. Be transparent. Your kids need to know that you're not perfect. They already know it whether you realize it or not. They need to see you apologize. They need to see that. You know, I had to go up to, to, to Zachary one day, and I know I'm using him a lot today, but it just... I'm. It just goes with it here today. But I had to go up to him one day and I said, you know, I'd done something wrong. I'd said something. I think I'd been short with Kim and, you know, said something probably I shouldn't have. And I, I went up to him. I said, you know, I apologize to Kim. And then I went up to him. I said, you know, bud, I said, I was wrong to do that. What I said was wrong. How I acted was wrong. You don't need to act that way. And daddy shouldn't act that way either. And I told mommy, I'm sorry. And you need to make sure you never do that. See, our kids need to know when we're wrong. They need to know that we confess sin to Jesus. They need to know what sin is. 
And they need to know that we admit our sin to Him and we repent and we don't want to live that way and we don't want to act that way. We've got to have some transparency. Does it mean they need to know every detail of your life? No. They don't need to know every detail of your life, right? But it means that we need to be real with them. That's part of helping them to understand and teaching them our faith. We need to love and encourage them. Love, love, love and encourage and encourage and encourage. Let me tell you something. This thing about, I'm never going to, you know, you hear these guys say that, you know, they never tell their kids they love them. You know, let me tell you, you need to tell your kids that you love them. All right? And it doesn't need to be some code word. It doesn't need to be, you know, they just know I take care of them and that's how they know I love them. Listen, that's good. And they may know you love them by the way you care for them, but they really need to know you love them. And they need to hear it. They need to hear it from your actions, but they also need to hear it from your words. They need to hear your encouragement. And the final thing is, as I would say to you guys this morning, never give up. Never give up. Listen, I don't care where you are on the process here of raising kids, whether they're 18 months old or 18 years old. Don't ever give up. You may be right now, you don't have kids, but you hope to have kids someday, right? And listen, if that's where you are, you just need to understand, yes, it gets hard, and yes, there are difficult days, but we love it, those of us that are doing it. It's worth every price you pay. And when I say don't give up, I'm just saying there are those moments when you're overwhelmed and you feel tired and you feel like you're doing a lousy job. And I'm saying, listen, keep your chin up. Keep your faith in Christ and don't give up. This passage of Scripture is a tremendous promise for us. If you train up a child in the way that he should go, if you train up a child in the way that she should go, that when they grow up, they will not depart from it. You know what? You can't get away from how you were raised. You're either right now walking in the fruits of it or trying to overcome it. I mean, it is. Now, you can't blame mama and daddy for everything. But you can know this, that at some point you're making your own decisions and you're responsible for your own choices, but they had a part to play in it to some degree as to whether or not it is an easy or a difficult thing for you to make the right choice. I mean, let me tell you, I eat. I have a hard time eating right. I mean, I love to eat food. And one of the things that I realized right away as, as I started hanging out with Kim and her family is, man, these people eat a lot different than I do. I mean, we eat Mexican food and we eat, you know, grease. I mean, I wake up and eat breakfast, man. I mean, I, a good breakfast for me was eggs, bacon, hash browns, whatever it was that was made with grease. And I loved it. It was a wonderful thing. And, you know, we'd hang out with her family and it's like, well, what, would you like some breakfast? I'm going to cook some oatmeal. I, yeah. I sure would. That's great. We're, we're having breakfast this morning. We're having a bowl of fruit and some toast, and that's all right. I mean, to tell you, and we go have these big meals, and they'd have like grilled chicken and salad. And I thought, man, I can't. I'm, we go to my house, and there's gravy, man, there. Let's just go. <laughs> let's go back, you know, to let's go to my house, you know. But, you know, it, it, I love that kind of food. That food's not really good for you, though, is it? It's really not. It's not the best choice. In fact, they make better choices than us in that part department. And, and I can sit back and I can blame my mom and dad, and I'm really, it's not their fault because, you know, I'm making my own choices now when I go to Taco Bell instead of going over here and getting a grilled chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A, right? But it's a struggle in part because of the way I was raised, and it's something I'm overcoming when I make good choices, right? And it'll forever be with me because I was raised on good food. I was raised on grease, Right? 
I was my, my and you know, and it's it's not my mama's fault. It's her mama's fault because she was raised in Alabama. They cooked everything in bacon grease back there, right? I mean, that's that's their fault for this. I blame it on grandma. But the reality is, is that there's some things that are passed down to us, and we are either today enjoying the fruits of that, or we're overcoming that. And you, as a mom, you as a dad, you're you're painting a course today, creating a path, teaching a way. That will encourage and bless and lead them to Christ or it will discourage and curse and make it more difficult for them to do so. And wherever you are today, I just want to encourage you. Christ wants you to lead them to the path. And he is working right now to lead your child to him. And he has just simply called you to be a part of that process. It is not your sole responsibility. Your responsibility is to come alongside and be a part of what God is doing. It is not your responsibility alone. And so wherever your child is today, know that you still have a a potential impact and you still have the opportunity to bless and you still have the opportunity to help steer. But you don't do that alone. And in light of that, there should never be a day that we give up and that we let go and that we just fall under the weight, crushed, by what we think is ours alone to do. Jesus in you is doing this. If you have faith, pray, seek, and follow him. Don't give up. Being a mama, being a daddy is fantastic. Probably no better thing in this world outside of a relationship with Christ himself than having a wife and a husband and then bringing children into the world. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it's a thing we do along with Christ to lead them to the way they should go. Don't give up. Trust. Obey. Have faith. Let's bow together.